Hi, everyone, and welcome to Blush You. Today's going to be a little different. It's just me, Callie. I'm flying solo. And Elise is actually off in Cabo having an amazing time. Now, I want to let you guys know that I didn't schedule this podcast recording knowing that she was going to be gone. I would never do that, I promise. Um, Elise made a choice to not be here today, and I think that choice was an important one. So today's episode is going to be focused on postpartum life and specifically postpartum depression. When I received this letter, I knew immediately we needed to record it. Uh, while myself nor Elise could not contribute in ways you know we'd normally like to, I still thought it was a critical discussion that belonged on Blush You. So when I talked it over with Elise, she expect she really expressed fears of showing up for someone else and making it about her pain, making it about her trauma. Um, she told me she wasn't sure if she'd be able to do it without crying the entire time, and she just wasn't sure if she felt comfortable. Well, you know, well I agree that. Elise is incredibly authentic. Um, I am all for people expressing pain in a professional outlet. I think that's completely understandable. So I wasn't really concerned about that. Um, but Elise decided that she really didn't want to be on the podcast today and it wasn't going to be on the cards for her. So, you know, she wanted to sit this one out. So my sparkle is in honor of her, um, instead of forcing it, and reliving her trauma, she decided that recording this podcast wasn't going to be worth it, even if it was for a good cause. And to me, that shows so much self-awareness and courage. And I hope that anyone listening can use this as an example. You know, Elise loves blush and Elise is an employee of blush, but she chose to take care of herself instead of forcing this podcast and turning it into an obligation that would honestly damage her healing process. And I respect that decision so much. And I'm so happy that she is currently on the beach drinking margaritas where she belongs. You know, we just don't need to make things harder on ourselves. And I think so often we do, we're, we're in a culture where it's go, go, go show up, no matter what, hide those tears, put on a brave face. And you just have to honor obligations because that's what we do. But I personally think that sometimes sitting it out is the braver thing to do when that's what's expected of us is to show up every single day. Um, so I just want to say thank you to Elise for being brave and doing what you know, you needed to do and being self-aware and being courageous and just being authentic by, by taking a breather. So Elise, if you're listening, which I kind of hope you're not, cause I don't want you to relive this either. Um, but I love you and I love everyone out there who is living their own struggle and is doing whatever they can to take care of themselves. So without further ado today, I asked Blush Life Coach Mary Grace to come on and be my guest for this letter today. Uh, Mary Grace has some experience with postpartum life, and I just think she can be a wealth of knowledge for us today. So let's get started. Mary Grace, welcome to the Blush You podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. I think today's going to be a little heavy, but we're yeah. going to do what we need to do and help this letter writer. So are let's you ready go. for the letter? Let's go. I'm ready. Okay. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Dear blush. I feel like the worst person in the world and I don't know what to do about it. I'm hoping you two can help me muscle through one of the worst and best times of my life. I just had a baby girl a month ago. And while I should be over the moon with joy, I only feel irritable, empty, resentful, and tired. 
I am so shocked by my reaction. I thought motherhood would feel like pregnancy, exciting and thrilling with a few bumps along the way. I figured the happiness would outweigh the strains of parenting, but instead I'm consumed by depression. She's a happy baby for the most part. And yes, there are long nights and lots of crying, but I didn't expect anything different. I can tell she's not too far off from sleeping through the night this young. And it's not like I even have it that bad. So what the hell is going on? Am I the worst mother in the world? I am scared my husband is going to change his mind about me and decide I'm not fit for parenthood. And I'm scared I am running my job. I'm ruining my daughter by not being a happy, attentive, and healthy mother. Furthermore, I feel so guilty. I know the two of you have had your struggles with infertility. So if you don't even feel comfortable responding to this letter, I understand. I don't deserve it. I have what you both want, and I feel like I'm throwing it away because I can't get it together. These feelings of shame, guilt, sadness, and anger are overwhelming. I desperately want to go back to my old self and have a do-over. I want to be able to absorb every happy moment and be present with my family. How can I get past this phase? From depressed new mama. Oh man, that was a tough one. I know. I literally, when I read this letter, I, one year ago, because my daughter is one years old, I would have, it would have been spot on. This is what I would have written. I mean, I like highlighting worst and best, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. And the mom guilt, the shame, like it's so real and it's so heavy and it like takes over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, just to kind of like dip into like my experience and then like this girl's, which I feel like we are like kindred souls (laughs) because I totally felt the same exact way. Um, so I had my little girl, August, 2020. So I guess around the same time this girl did, um, but a year ago. And, you know, I would be interested to see the numbers of postpartum depression, like pre COVID versus COVID, Mm -hmm. because having a newborn is so isolating without COVID, but you know, before (laughs) I gave birth, we were already isolated. We already were terrified. We didn't know what would happen if I got COVID and what if my baby got COVID? Like we didn't, there was no knowledge of that. So, I mean, to say that we were on lockdown, I mean, it was just, and then the fear of, okay, if my husband has COVID, he can't be in the hospital room with me. Like, no, 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 no. So we were like on lockdown. Um, And, you know, I'm really, really thankful that I had a really uncomplicated pregnancy and and a pretty, in terms of like easy labor. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was pretty textbook and I've always been an anxious person, emotional. And I, I was prepared to have panic attacks after I had dreams. I really was, I, it didn't really scare me. I just kind of knew it was up. Um, So I guess the two things that highlighted my postpartum depression journey were I put so much pressure on myself to breastfeed, so much pressure, like breast is best. That's what you hear. You read about chemicals and all this stuff that's in formula. And it just, it scared me. And I put so much pressure, my mom and my sister, you know, breastfeeding is not easy, but it came super natural to them. So for me, when it wasn't working, it was like detrimental. Um, and I, I literally will never forget the hospital system has like a, um, lactation specialist hotline 
that you can call and like, in my case, like sob on the phone too. Um, and so I scheduled an appointment to go and, you know, you take your baby during the feeding time and um, they weigh the baby before the baby eats. And then they weigh after you're done nursing to see how much milk the baby has consumed. Well, Reem's lost weight, meaning like I just wasn't producing anything. And I, when they weighed her and she had lost weight, like a puddle and this angel, angel lactation specialist, an older woman, really maternal, like basically looked at me and was like, your baby needs you. They don't need your breast milk. They need a healthy mom. They need somebody to, you know, take care of them and love them. And regardless of how they're being fed, that's just what's going to happen. So that was kind of the thing I needed to hear to stop breastfeeding. After I stopped breastfeeding, I downward spiraled. I, in terms of like negative self-talk, like that was like my middle name. Like you're the worst mom in the world. How could you give up so easily? Um, and uh, shortly after we started formula, she got really bad acid reflux and literally would projectile vomit. So it's just in my head, like constantly, right? Like, how could you do this to your baby? How could you give up so easy? Like, for what? Like, because it was hard? Well, life's hard. Like, how could you do this? And it was just this constant narrative in my mind of, oh my God, I literally stopped breastfeeding and here I am, my baby is in so much pain. She has acid reflux. She's projectile vomiting. She's not really eating. Um, so that negative self-talk led me into what I like to think of like as my like final trek until rec rock bottom, truly. Um, so I took Reams to the pediatrician and we're talking about acid reflux and I'm holding her like to the side and she had this spot on her head and um, they had told me it was her soft spot. And all of a sudden the pediatrician goes, what is on her head? And I'm like, you said it was her soft spot. And she's like, looking at it, looking at it. I've never seen this before. And I'm like, okay, the, the worst bedside manner to say to a new mom, <laughs> like, it's just, I need to go get one of my colleagues, goes and gets her colleagues. The colleagues never seen it before. And like all the while, like, I'm like, I'm spinning out. I'm like, oh my God, what have you done? This baby was born absolutely healthy. Look at her now. She's projectile vomiting. She has this thing on her head. How could you have missed this? She's six weeks. You know what? I'm, I'm just going through all of these like blame and guilt. And I mean, of course I get, you know, referred to a neurosurgeon and obviously there was like a six week wait for the appointment. So those six weeks were really, really brutal. And the whole time I'm feeling exactly like this girl of the letter, right? Like what is wrong with me? Like I have this beautiful baby and like, I'm so unhappy. And for the record, I'm not telling my husband any of this because of what she said in the letter. Like, how is he going to respond when he starts to hear all this stuff and like hear how I feel? And the fact that like, 
I, she deserves a better mom. She doesn't deserve this. Like, it's so sad to think back on. Um, so anyway, I all belong, um, literally like sobbing all day, every day. I, um, you know, my daughter, it was kind of impressive that she literally could sleep for 23 minutes on the dot and like eyes open, wake up. Like it got to the point where it was like, wow, like that's like a talent. Like, you know, when it's like 23 minutes. And, um, so I would literally just hold her in her room in the dark and cry all day, every day. Um, so then the appointment time rolls around and I was not prepared for, my husband couldn't go for like a weird work thing. And honestly, I don't even think they would have let him in in the first place because of COVID. Um, but it turned out the thing on her head, whatever was fine, um, but they found something else. And I like, I can't really even recall like what was said in that appointment because I just remember being like black like seeing black, like just hearing nothing like, and just honestly shocked. Um, and they said, we have to bring her in when she's six months old and we have to give her an MRI. We have to put her under and we can't do that until she's six months old. And, you know, I'm trying to hold it together, but I definitely didn't. And, um, I get in the car, I go home and I just like a puddle, like, honestly, like that was my like darkest day, truly. Um, and that was the day that my husband, he put reams down that night and came downstairs and looked at me and was like, you don't look like yourself. Like you look awful like and I knew what he meant by that he wasn't talking about like my personal appearance he was or my physical appearance he was talking about like I just looked like lifeless like my eyes were sunken in and like I think it really freaked him out because you know when you have a baby you're just trying to do the best you can and he's working new job and he's just going about it right and I mean I just I didn't open up to him at all so then the next day I called my doctor and talked to her a lot. And, you know, she was asking me about like what really stood out to me. And I was like, well, you know, I literally cry all day, every day. And she was like, okay, um, that's not normal. Um, and then I told her that I truly, the weeks between the initial pediatrician appointment and the neurosurgery appointment, I did not sleep. I would click on the monitor every five minutes and I would just lay there and I would watch her. I would make sure she was breathing. And I was so paranoid, like paranoid by everything. Oh, a car is driving by on a walk. Like they, what if they kidnap her? Like it was just this irrational, like fear of everything. And, you know, I'm an Enneagram six, so I can, I plan plan, 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 plan for everything. So worst case scenarios are like my middle name. Like I can, I can do it all day, every day. And so after that conversation with my doctor, um, 
she prescribed me some medication. And when I say for me, it was within two weeks that I was like, oh my God, that was like chemical. Oh my God. Like, uh, uh, oh my God. Like, uh, cause I was so convinced, like I was just going to be this like natural rock star mom. We've got this. I've wanted to do this my entire life. And when I wasn't, it was earth shattering. Um, so that's kind of like, I think my experience and obviously like, you know, there's postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. And I definitely think that my postpartum anxiety led me into postpartum depression. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it's really weird to kind of relive that just because I've like wanted to just kind of like push it (laughs) behind me and not look back, but it's, a part of who I am and a part of what mom I want to be, you know, I want to be better. Absolutely. I mean, I just got so much from your story and of course reading this one. And it sounds like one, I think we underestimate the power of hormones and brain. Oh my God. We absolutely do. I mean, what's interesting is I'm pretty sure that the root of my infertility is hormone based. And I have a few other symptoms of that. And it's, it's really helped me because especially with my weight, which is one of those presenting symptoms, it can so easily turn into, well, I guess you're being lazy. I guess you're not eating well. People are going to think you're lazy. People are going to think you're not eating well. You're not disciplined. And it's just this, it's very easy to immediately go to it's your fault. And the second I realized, Hmm, it actually makes more sense for this to be hormonal, right? Like right. It, the, the, the simplest answer is that my hormones are out of whack because I've got two presenting issues that both relate to hormones, infertility right. and weight. And then there's some other little things that I'm like, hmm, that's right. probably hormonal too. But it's it just goes to show how easy it is to place blame on yourself. And I can't yeah. imagine how much easier that gets when you are responsible for another human being and it's your job to take care of that other human being. And so it's natural, I think for most of us to say, well, it's me, especially as you mentioned, which I think for a lot of women, they have an identity surrounding anticipating motherhood or being a mom. I know Elise has talked about that a lot. And while I can't relate to that. I don't think my identity has ever been wrapped up and I'm going to be a mom or motherhood. I guarantee you that's going to change the second I become pregnant because you have nine months to start thinking about the ways in which you're going to be a mom and how this is going to go. And it's normal to manifest and think about the future when you have something growing inside (laughs) you and then to have your experience be the complete opposite. I mean, it's, and it's an identity crisis at its core, but it's right. so much more than that. It's, it's waking up every day and feeling like a failure is just not sustainable for right. like well, really, you, for gr- you really grieve your expectation mm-hmm. of motherhood. You grieve what you thought it was going to be. I mean, and when you talk about the hormone of it all, like I honestly, the human body is crazy. A B when I was in labor, I got labor shakes, which you just like, shake. And, you know, my husband's like, Ooh, she's cold. Like trying to put a blanket on me. And I'm like, no, like I'm really, really hot and I'm not. Okay. (laughs) And I feel like it's your hormones. Like the nurse is like, that's just like your body, like doing, doing what it's supposed to. And like, we don't give our bodies a break after we have the baby. We, there's no, like, I saw this meme the other day that was like, people, after you have a baby are like, 
how is she sleeping? How does she cry a lot? How is she? It's like, ask the mom that. (laughs) Is the mom crying? Is the mom sleeping? Is the mom eating? Because the mom is probably like childbirth is trauma for the baby and for the mom. I mean, it's not a walk in the park. And I was, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, but I was not prepared for that of like, here, you just went through trauma. Take care of someone else who went through trauma. Like, (laughs) absolutely. And I think just because we sit here and say, well, we've been doing this since the beginning of time and women have been giving birth since, you know, literally the beginning of time that you'll be able to do it. But the thing about it is you can't be prepared for something that your body's never been through before. We don't know how we're going to respond. We don't know how we're going to react. I talk to women whose pregnancies are like, I love being pregnant. I want to be pregnant all the time. And then I talk to other women that are like, I love children, but I hate pregnancy and I don't know how to reconcile. And it's okay, by the way, to hate pregnancy, but love motherhood or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Like Mm -hmm. that was the one piece of advice that my older sister told me she was like it's okay to not like love the newborn day mm-hmm. some people sit in their bed and smell their baby all day long and like love it but like for me it was so anxiety inducing like oh my god like I don't want to break this perfect little human being like yeah what do I do with them like what do you mean feed them every three hours like that's crazy like so I mean you don't know until you're in it but I think women are just like naturally survivors and so they don't talk about things. They like to push it down and just kind of blur it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the number of times that women would be like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that. And I'm like, yeah, because you're just surviving. Like, mm-hmm. you're just like, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And like, it may be upset then, but we're not going to think about it because look at this baby, right? Yeah. We're in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And I think women are so used to having to show up even when it's painful for ourselves, which is honestly why I wanted to talk about why Elise wasn't here today, because I think Mm -hmm. it's an important message. Elise doesn't need to be in survival mode 24 seven. She doesn't need that. She doesn't need to make her life harder than it is. And she's allowed to take a breather and same, same for all of us. But I think it's especially true for women because we're just Mm -hmm. so programmed. I think actually wired to show up for other people and to show up, even if it's harmful to ourselves. And so I, yeah, I just think that's so important, but I also was so happy. I wasn't sure if this was part of your story, um, because it is personal, but I'm so happy you shared it that antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are crucial to someone who is experiencing (laughs) anxiety and depression, but there's so much conflicting information out there. Um, and so I've spoken to many doctors about, you know, what about antidepressants or anti-anxiety? Because when I was on Clomid, I mean, woo, that was a really, (laughs) really horrible trip. And I was sitting here like, huh, if my body responds to pregnancy, the same way it's responding to Clomid, which I don't know that yet. Uh, I think a lot of people would love to say, oh no, 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 that's different, but you don't know. And you don't know through it. You don't know. And what if, what if that happens postpartum for me? I want to make sure I seriously was like, I want to make sure right now, which antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication can I get on? And the answer was basically all of them. There were a few that weren't recommended, but they were like, Oh, any OB, any fertility specialist, any, any good doctor, um, knows that these few are off limits, but I'm talking like the very popular ones, Zoloft, 
Prozac, yeah. Wellbutrin, like all those. And of course I'm not a doctor, so please do not take my word for it. <laughs> Talk to a professional. Um, but I was shocked that yeah. the advice was, oh, go for it. The, the effects yeah. on pregnancy or postpartum and the breast milk or any of that are teeny, teeny, tiny. Well, so and it's such a crucial part, I think in recovery, if you know that you're prone to it, like to me, I was on anxiety medication a couple years ago for like, it was like a breakup and I had to get on it. And I was like, okay, we're good. Whatever. We're not good. Like I should have like in pregnancy got on it because I was not okay by any sense of the word. And I had one really good friend also pregnant, kind of going through a similar thing. She got back on it and like life was changed. And I feel like, you know, should have, would have, could have, like, would my postpartum journey have been different if I had known, like been an advocate for myself more and been like, yo, this is something that I struggle with now. What am I going to be like when I'm sleep deprived, you know, not okay down there? Like, what am I going to be like? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, for me, it was med- medication. My husband was kind of like, I don't understand how that can help. But when he saw the drastic difference, he was like, okay, <laughs> there's something to this. Like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm happy for me too, because our lives just really flipped. But I would be lying to say that, you know, like life is like hunky dory and like motherhood is just like this walk in the park breeze. I, you know, I kind of going back, I wrote this down from when you were reading the letter, she calls what she's going through a phase. And like, that's what motherhood is, right? It's phases. So they're good phases and bad phases, phases you want to pass by quickly and phases that you don't want to go. I mean, when I think back to my child not napping more than 23 minutes at a time, I would dream of her being, you know, a year now and she's sleeping hours at a time, but I miss that phase. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all phases. And just because you're in a rut now doesn't mean that you're not going to come out on top, but Hey, something might happen. Like in May, I was back down and in again. So it's just, it's learning how to cope with the phases Yes, that I think is the biggest thing. Right. And knowing that, that not every phase has to be absolutely miserable, meaning, you know, to get back to depressed new mama, uh, this screams depression. I'm not yeah. getting as much um, anxiety, anxiety here. I'm mm-hmm. getting more depression, but I mean, run, don't walk to your OB, to your PCP, to anybody, any in the yeah. medical field that knows you and knows your you know case history and ask them if antidepressants are right for you. I can't say that they are because I do not have an MD, but I am getting strong vibes and I can at least encourage a call or a visit to your doctor because the deal is these thoughts that you're writing out are completely irrational and you know yeah. that because your she ability- asks, what is wrong with me? Like right. she knows, trust yeah, your she gut. Knows. She knows because depressed new mama, your ability to get pregnant and your ability to mother a child has nothing to do with mine. You getting pregnant has no effect on if I get pregnant or not. You raising a child has zero effect 
on if I get to raise a child or not. The two have nothing to do with each other. And so you feeling even guilty that you're given this opportunity and that you're quote wasting it. I mean, to me, that's alarming that you're even thinking that. And I'm not saying that to shame you. I'm saying that to show you that this guilt doesn't have to exist because I'm not reading this saying, how dare she, she's throwing this opportunity away. What the hell? And by the way, Elise, when she read it, didn't feel like that either. She just knew that she was going to have to relive a very painful moment of her life that she wasn't ready to go through yet. And that's separate. She wasn't sitting here going, Oh, I can't believe this. She was given the opportunity that I wasn't like that didn't even cross our minds. And the fact that it's crossing your mind constantly to me shows that this is out of your rational brain. This is out of your control and we need some rebalancing. And I think that's going to come in the form of first medication. (laughs) Talking to your doctor. Yeah. Right. Right. Talking to your doctor first, because here's the thing. I am all about therapy. I'm all about life coaching. I believe in its benefits wholeheartedly, but I don't believe it's going to do anything. If your brain is not supporting you, meaning if your brain is not preach, right. If your brain is not firing off on the cylinders, it's supposed to, you can talk until you're blue in the face and you're not going to hear any of it because you're probably listening to me right now saying, okay, but deep down, she probably feels like that. It's like, no, you know, no, I don't, but that's just the chemicals telling you things that aren't true. And so if you take a pill, those chemicals are going to shut the fuck up. Yeah. I also think it's, it's a bigger conversation too, about, I think our society's view on postpartum depression, because I know that there's a lot of shame attached to it, mainly because you see people around you having babies or social media or something like that. And you don't talk about it. I mean, I think now that I have kind of found a purpose for my pain, I guess, call it that, if you will, I've opened up to some new moms and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Which to me, it's like, but we weren't talking about that when we had eight weeks old, eight weeks, eight weeks whatever. Yes. So you know what I mean? Like, I think that there is so much shame because it's like, but you're a woman, like be happy, be happy. You have a baby and be happy. And it's like normalize not being okay, but being grateful, like yeah. normalize that. Like yeah. that's the thing that to me, like, I mean, it's still very raw to talk about. And I told Callie this before we started, like, I don't really relive that time because of the guilt and the shame and what it honestly did to my marriage by not trusting somebody that I love dearly you know like we don't talk about that and it's a really painful time in our lives and I don't think our society really helps that no they don't and you know I also think that expecting someone who does not give birth so mostly men, um, to, and who are completely hormonally built differently. And (laughs) I, 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 this is maybe going to be a controversial thing to say, but I don't think we should expect for them to completely get it, but that doesn't mean you deserve to be alone in this. And that's when you talk to a doctor, you talk to a therapist, hell, you talk to Mary Grace, you talk to a friend, (laughs) someone who's been through this and you, you get real and vulnerable with it because the time to talk about it is when you have an eight week old. It's not when you have a one-year-old and you're past this because the reality is this, 
this will end. It will, uh, depress me. If, if you don't do anything about this and you just continue to struggle and feel like you're drowning, eventually you, you probably won't be drowning again. However, yeah. and Mary Grace, you said this earlier, if you have any thoughts of self-harm or harming yes. your baby, stop listening stop to this podcast. podcast. Like just yeah. stop and, and, and call emergency services, call your doctor. Like yes. you need to reach out now, but if and you're, you're also just, not alone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, of course. Of course yeah. not. I mean, this happens. It happens all the time. And so the, the key is to not feel shame about it and do what needs to be done. AKA reaching out to other people. But, yes. the, but you know, if you're in the boat where you're just feeling like, holy shit, this is so hard. Again, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel alone. I feel so shameful and I don't want to talk about it. Yes. Talk about it to your spouse. Like, I do think it's important to talk yes. about it to your spouse, but if you're not getting the fulfillment and the feeling understood that you need from that conversation, that doesn't mean you're in the wrong. Yeah. It just means you haven't found the right person. That's going to help this click because talking about it when it's happening is going to allow you to feel normalized and validated. Yes. And then ideally you continue to reach out for support. And then all of a sudden this almost feels more like a battle scar and more like, yeah. yes, this is tough. And I am surviving and I'm doing this. And you, you get back a little bit of that control and a little bit of your even dignity and pride. And then yeah. it's so much easier, right. To ride that wave and to yeah. get to the next phase where you feel totally in control and like, you've got this. And it builds your village. Cause I think the moment that I opened up to my husband it was like, now you kind of have someone in your corner. I mean, to him being like, I don't know how to help you, but I think that you need to reach out to X, Y, Z, or maybe you should talk to your mom about this to see if she went like it builds your village, which you can't raise a child without a village. You just can't, it's impossible. And you have to lean on those people a hundred percent. And, you know, to this letter, I mean, it breaks my heart, but you know, you're a month out. And I, my whole point of our society is this whole like bounce back. Like you spend 40 weeks making this child, your body changes, you give birth, you are literally rewired. You are not the same person you were before. Give yourself some grace. Like mm -hmm. it's going to take more time. I mean, I'm a year out and I don't feel like I'm like even close to being, I guess, normal because what is normal? right? Like, I don't, I don't just think about myself anymore. I think about my daughter and, you know, my body is very different. It definitely hangs a little bit lower, but you know what, we're adjusting to it. So I feel like the whole bounce back of it all is not healthy. It's like 12 weeks maternity leave. Like, all right, let's go. Like are, you're back to normal, right? It's like, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> That's so true. You know, I, on blush, there's a common question that comes up in sessions, or at least it used to when my clients were a little younger, but it's like, everyone wanted a timetable for when they were supposed to bounce back from a relationship, like a breakup. And normally right. I'd just be like, all right, off the top of my head, let's say half the time that you were together is probably the time it's going to take to get over it. So if you were together for a year, we're looking at six months. Like it was just something to make them feel a little better to be like, yeah, it's not going to happen in the next 30 days. <laughs> and so we tend to do that. We tend to say, when will I be back to normal? And with motherhood, that's not the goal, but we're no. making it the goal most likely because that's what we're told to do. And because that's what we're used to. So when do I get my body back? When do I get my I don't know, career drive back. When do mm -hmm. I get my sanity back? When do I get my 
weekly wine nights back, like whatever it is that you that's missing that you want back. I'm not trying to say that you're never going to have a wine night again, but I am trying to say that they're going to look different. You're going to actually miss someone when you're there and actually maybe even deal with the guilt and shame of not being home. Like it's just never going to be the same. And so we have to, the goal needs to be a new normal for you. And by the way, but that's the thing, raising a newborn is not the same as raising a toddler is not the same Mm -hmm. as raising a kindergartner Mm -hmm. and then so on and so forth. It's like the needle, like we're going to be moving the goalpost the second you get comfortable yeah. because children well, and I think grow that, like weeds. I know. And when you have a child, like the whole like idea of self-care like completely changes. Cause like your idea of self-care prior to a baby is so much different. I mean, I just crave quiet. Like I crave sitting and like listening to music or a podcast or like maybe going on a walk by myself. Like I crave that. Whereas I think before I'm like, oh yeah, let's go get a massage. But to me, I'm like, no, cause then I'm going to like miss something or like, it's just, it's this new thing of mom guilt. I mean, I went on my first like big trip two weeks ago and before I left the amount of mom guilt, I felt of like, how could I leave her? Like, what if she needs me? And it's like, no, you'll be a better mom for taking care of yourself. But self-care is a muscle when you're a mom and, and in general, really. It's like you have to practice it daily, daily when you have a child so that when something comes up that's really going to rejuvenate you, like a trip with your spouse or your friends or your mom or your sisters or whatever, you're ready for it. Like you're not just this like shell of a mom guilt human. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, what you're talking about is something that I don't understand. It's going to be impossible for me to understand it because I don't have, you know, oxytocin pulsing through my body yeah. every single day. My hormone markup is completely different than yours, Yeah, but I can say this. How the fuck are women supposed to be prepared for that? I mean, like, I just they're don't not. Have, they're not. This is insane. This woman has only given birth four weeks ago. It's been a Which month and she's yeah. supposed to be able to navigate all of these wild changes that we didn't even anticipate happening. Like, even if you've heard of the mom guilt and like we had people not come to our wedding because they didn't want to leave their children. And it's like, we know that it happens. We know it exists. Mm -hmm. We know all these rational people start doing crazy and wild things after they have kids. And so like, we know it's there, but you can't possibly understand what it is until you go through it, which means the amount of preparation that you can really do. Minimal. (laughs) Minimal, right? I think you're probably just spinning your wheels out and that's anxiety provoking as well, because we all hate the unknown. And then when it happens, we feel like failures because we had mm-hmm. quote nine months or whatever to prepare. And we have all of these, you know, the internet is full with advice for this advice. Too much this. advice, too it's, much advice. It's overwhelming. And yeah. so the reality is, and I am sure most people hate this, but you kind of going to have to play it by ear and like lean into the moment and have real time conversations and react in real time instead of sitting here and being like, I'm a bad mom because I didn't see this coming. And because I can't bounce back, as you said, or recover or cope mm-hmm. effectively. I mean, that's just right. way too much pressure to put on any so much pressure. And honestly, the thing that, you know, to new mom, like you carry this child for 40 weeks, they are yours. You know, they are yours. You saw them come out of you. And like, 
you don't know them, right? Like you don't know their personality. You don't know their temperaments. They're human beings. They have quirks. Like, and I think that the ever changing of that and my advice to any new mom listening to this that feels like they're drowning is I wake up every single day and I tell myself, today I'm going to learn something about my daughter that I didn't know yesterday. And it's going to help us with our journey together because I mean, she used to scream bloody murder. She was born in August, right? Well, now I know she's so hot natured. Like girlfriend was like, take my clothes off. I'm so hot. Okay. But I didn't know that. And I just thought that she was hating me. Okay. And I think that we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and adjust the mindset to, okay, like they're a tiny human and they're learning how to be a tiny human, but we don't know their temperament. Like we don't know what their quirks are that they hate oranges or that they hate touching grass because it makes them feel weird. Like we don't know. So I just feel like that is my advice to any new mom. And I think that we don't talk about it because we're like, oh, they're our baby. We know them so well. And it's like, but they're human beings and you're getting to know them. Like, just like they're getting to know you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I never thought of that before because you always hear the phrase, like no one knows you better than your mom. And so it's just yeah. kind of ingrained in you that your mom knows you, you know, like the back of her hand. But the thing about it is that that took time and babies don't mm-hmm. pop out with like a blueprint given to the new mom to be like, yes, I am now the master of your destiny. It's like, <laughs> yeah. that's so true. And so I could imagine feeling guilty that I didn't know certain things or that I wasn't the expert on my own child and feeling like a failure. Like I can guarantee you I'm going to be in that place. And so I'm going to be telling myself, which is what I tell so many clients and so many letter writers on this podcast, which is approach things with curiosity instead yeah. of approaching things on the defense or saying, I should have known this and, and beating yourself up for not knowing everything. It's let me be curious. And that also goes to show that we need to allow experts to be experts. And what I mean by that is doctors know what they're fucking talking about. So when they're telling you getting on, you know, medication for your moods is not going to mess with your baby. You listen, when you go to a therapist or a life coach that says, Hey, for the most part, this is normal, but here are some ways to help you. We don't need to feel like a failure. We were not all like given a manual on how to be a mom, especially because we can't all be the same type of mom because we don't have the same type of kids. (laughs) No, every human is so unique. So unique. So everyone's motherhood journeys will be unique, right? Right. And the mom that I am to my daughter now, if God willing, I have another child, I'm not going to be the same mom to them because Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually know what I'm kind of doing because I've done it before. So it's like each child gets a different mom, right? And that mom is designed for that child. Like that was my mantra, all of labor. And honestly, I forgot it. It's like, I was made to be my daughter's mom, Mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's me. Whether Mm -hmm. I feel like it, the best version of it, I'm trying and like, I'm meant to be her mom. So I'm going to be the best that I can. And, you know, I just, the pressure that I think moms put on themselves, like the number of times I thought to myself, like, oh my God, I love my mom. Like, what, how did she do this? How did she do this? Like, I feel so bad for ever being like such a little brat to her. Like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Mary Grace's mom, if you're listening, we're sorry. Um, Mom, I love you. Yeah. That's really interesting. You said that because, you know, one thing that's really helped me with my infertility journey and 
it, it, I don't know if it would help anyone else, but it's really helped me is that I'm going to get the baby I'm supposed to have. Totally. So with each failed cycle that I have, or with each treatment that doesn't work or with each month that passes, I, and you know, that's a missed opportunity to have mm-hmm. a baby and to become pregnant. And you think about, was it supposed to be that follicle that becomes an embryo that becomes a, yeah. whatever the fuck happens. Whenever you <laughs> have baby. I, I tell myself, well, wasn't supposed to be that one. It wasn't supposed to be that one because I'm going to get the baby that I need and the baby that is mine. And so Mm -hmm. that's going to happen when it happens. And by mourning every single month that passes, that's just silly because that wasn't supposed to happen. And so the same thing, the baby gets the mom that they need, you know, for for the most part, you know, of course, if we, I hate to overgeneralize, but I would say on the whole, that's what ends up happening. You get the mom you're supposed to have and you get the baby that you're supposed to have and trying to think of it in any other way other than that is just honestly irrational and and not true. And it's only going to cause more harm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I always think of that when, I mean, my husband and I were trying to get pregnant and I would get disappointed when months would go by and like, no, my daughter was supposed to be born in August because this is exactly who she's supposed to be. This is how she's going to impact the world. Like there's this like huge thing that like, I don't have control over. Like, I just know that, you know, she is who she is and I can help to shape her, but you know, human beings, the human body, oy vey. Oy vey. <laughs> I agree. Okay. So I want to hear some final thoughts about what you would tell depressed new mama, anything that, you know, you haven't said yet or specific advice or something that worked for you. I mean, obviously you disclosing that you got on, you know, anti-anxiety meds again. Thank you. I can't be more grateful (laughs) for that vulnerability. I mean, Elise disclosed that too. And it's just like, hell yes. Can we normalize that? So anyway, any final thoughts for depressed new mama? I think final thoughts being, give yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. You're a month out. You're not even probably healed physically. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing to kind of come is the physical healing. And like, it's okay to not be okay. Um, I definitely think that although you have fears of what your husband might think, um, I would talk to him and then I would have a plan. Like I'm going to reach out to my OBGYN because at your six week checkup, most OBGYNs do the postpartum depression questionnaire. Um, I think that sometimes they're kind of skittish about if you, cause I tested on it, but it was very much like, well, if you start to feel like that, like, let us know, like, you know, it was very like, they kind of danced around it, mm-hmm. which I just think it's a very touchy topic. And so I think that it's definitely something worth talking to your doctor about because your thoughts, I know that's how you really feel in the moment. Like I, I totally empathize with that. Like you feel that so real, but your baby needs you. That's it. They need to be fed and to be clean, but they need you. They need to know that they're safe. And it's like the, what is the airplane thing? Like put your oxygen mask on first Mm -hmm. so that you can help somebody else. And it's like, do that for yourself go get help, make yourself the best mom that you know how to be in that moment so that you can be there for your baby because they're learning too every day. Like they don't know what it's like to be in this scary world. Like, let alone like, Hey, you're running in a pandemic. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think that 
give yourself some grace, go talk to your doctor and squeeze that baby because they need you and you need them, but they need you more. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And you, you reminded me of something, which is, you know, if you can learn how to cope through a time like this, you're going to easily learn how to cope through other difficult times because you're going to be faced with, you know, a child, maybe bullying, or maybe you're going to be faced with academic pressure, or maybe you're going to be faced with your child having anxiety or Mm -hmm. feeling depression. I mean, this fear and anxiety doesn't have to end if you don't want it to. And so the good news is that if you start reaching out now and doing what you need to now, I think it's going to set you up for success for the next I mean, gosh, 20, 30, 40 years, because as yeah. I've been told is if once you're a mom, you're always a mom. And so, know. you know, this, this continues to happen. Um, <laughs> so it's great to start good habits now. I mean, good Lord, yes. you're writing into us after a month. That's amazing. That already shows yeah. that you're on your shit. So, and it's never too late too. if someone's listening and they're like, Oh, well, my baby's two months or three months or four months. It's like, yeah. don't worry about it. You know, the time it, doesn't it, matter, but you're teaching your baby how to be an advocate for themselves. Like, exactly. don't you want your children to learn that from you? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not okay. So this is what I'm going to do. Like, yeah, let's if make you, a plan. That's so true. If you want your children to be honest with you, then you need to be honest in turn, um, with other people, with yourself. So mm-hmm. that was, that was one of my thoughts. The second quick one is that you can have two feelings that exist at once. So 100%. while you're feeling depressed and while you're feeling ashamed and while you're feeling angry, that doesn't take away from the feeling of gratitude or any feelings of happiness too, or of joy. You can have both. The goal is just to try and mute the negative feelings during this time, because they don't have to be there. I think they're honestly in a way artificial because it's your chemicals firing off in ways that maybe they, they don't need to be. And so if we can quiet them through taking a pill a day, why the hell wouldn't we? We don't, again, as I said earlier, we don't have to make life harder than it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the chemicals amplify the insecurities of just being a new mom and being like WTF am I supposed to do? <laughs> totally. I mean, I keep saying struggle does not equal success, right? right. And and that that's across the board. It's with motherhood, it's with career, it's with, it's with anything. Mm-hmm. Having the struggling does not mean you're going to be successful. You don't have right. to struggle in order to reap those benefits. So just remember that if your life is harder than you think it needs to be, there are answers, there are solutions. Yeah. You just might be too ashamed to try them, but I'm telling you, don't be just go make your no. life easier. I mean, I'm totally. all for that. Um, yeah. and then one last thing, I feel like she's got like low key guilt about having a quote, easy baby and still yeah. feeling like this. And I just kind of want to say, I don't think you feeling like this has anything to do with your baby. I think it has everything to do with the pressures that new moms face, the trauma, as you said, of childbirth. Like, I think if you had a quote, difficult baby, you'd still be feeling like this. And so yeah. it's, to me, it's almost great that it's like, okay, your baby's almost sleeping through the night and you still feel like shit. It's like, great. Then it's yeah. obviously not your baby. It's obviously not you. It's yeah. like, this is well, something it's you like, can't control. To say you have a difficult baby, I think in her mind would validate the feelings, right? Exactly, yes. And so it's like, I mean, for me, I'm telling you, I had a, I mean, to find difficult baby, like they're newborns, but I had a baby that was like, screaming I swear she like woke up at four weeks and like screamed for like months on end but like I feel like it it didn't make me feel any different if she had been sleeping through then you know what I mean like yep. so I think that she's reaching to be like 
I'm like, something's really, really wrong with me. And I think you know that. And I think you need to trust your gut yep. and go get the help. She's reaching for blame though. It's like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between like, something's wrong with me and then blame just like with my weight thing. It's like, and I, I know, but it's a great example because no, definitely there's is. something wrong with me. It's true. There is something off with me, no doubt, but it's not my fault. Right. And those two things can exist at the same time. So yes, you know, depressed new mama, there is something wrong with you. It's just not your fault. And so reaching out to people who can help and remember, you know, therapists and life coaches can't prescribe medication. We did not go to medical school. And so while sometimes I'm like, yeah, it kind of sucks that you need to go to like a doctor who might, you know, is more concerned about A, B, and C and kind of antidepressants or anti-anxiety pills are kind of an afterthought, but you know what, at this point they've been around since what forever. I mean, they've been around for like 50 years. So, and every doctor I've talked to is like, they're safe. We've, we've done enough research studies. We've done enough testing. They've been through the rigmarole. Like we're good. Well, the amount of stress you're putting on yourself by not being on it is probably worse for you. So, <laughs> so I mean, true. I would definitely, so your OBGYN can help you. Like that is like their expertise. They know exactly what to try. And honestly, that's who I went through. And she was so helpful because I think she had like a, she knew what she was kind of t- dealing with instead of just like, oh, I'm, you know, having anxiety for X, Y, Z. It was like, oh, you're like chemically imbalanced just gave birth, trauma, hormones. Like, I just feel like OBGYN should be your first point of contact. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I think I, I, agree with that. Um, and again, so much is going on that the thought that a new mom on her own should be able to handle all this is just like, this just goes to show how backwards our culture can be sometimes. Seriously. Like, really? We're, we're going to do that. We're going to put the weight of the world on one woman who just, again, went through trauma and her hormones trauma. are all out of whack and just, okay, sounds good. Yep. Yeah, good yeah. luck. I mean, <laughs> we'll no. handle it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. So Those are our final thoughts for you, depressed new mama. I really hope that you, you know, seek the help that you deserve. It's not even that you need, it's that you deserve. You don't need to be feeling irritable and empty and guilty and full of shame. And I don't want you to feel even more guilty, you know, that it's Mm -hmm. taken four weeks to get there. I think good on you. I want you to really love yourself. You should be really proud of yourself. Yes. Yes. For even acknowledging this and deciding, maybe I should just put it out there. Um, yes, put it out there. Any new mom feeling this way, put it out there, put it out there to your doctor, put it out there to us, to your best friend, to your mom, to your sister, to your spouse. I mean, yeah, just put it out there and trust that if you do that, then help will, will come because you're doing the hard part. You're being vulnerable and sharing. And we all know that's totally. the hard part. There are plenty of people that get paid to help. So they're, <laughs> yeah. they're going to do their job. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. okay. So if you are a new mom or a pr- you know, pregnant lady, or, or just, you know, you're about to embark on this journey or you're knee deep, Um, just know that we are there for you. You know, Mary Grace is here. She's going to be offering some free consultations. Um, so just know that, you know, we've got your back as well. 
So if you want to join and you want to start talking to a life coach about these things, use promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. And then of course, write in your story to bless you at joinblush.com. We read every single entry. You can see that this one was a little bit of a sensitive subject you yeah. know, for, for both me and Elise and hell, I was like, yes, this belongs here. This belongs here. We want to shed light on these tough situations, these situations that make us feel like we should harbor it all to ourselves and stay in the dark with it. No, write to us, tell us what's going on. We're here to help. Um, so thank you so much uh, for being here, Mary Grace. Oh my gosh, of course. So fun. Thank you to Elise for being an amazing role model and doing what she needed to do. Again, cheers. She's probably drinking a mark on the beach right now. Jealous, jealous. Oh, go for it, girl. Um, and thank you to everyone who listened today. Uh, we love you guys and we will be back soon with a new episode. Stay tuned.